Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. workshop would present the idea of happiness first. Happiness first is about how it's very important to put happiness first and what happiness looks like for each person is different and it's not something that a person would necessarily know. It's something that one can create through experimentation and using a playful approach. If it's too serious, it's generally not fun. And if it's not fun or if it doesn't have some element of that kind that is not so calculated but more contextual, then generally it's not necessarily going to lead to happiness. And um, They've done studies about the number in one's bank account and how it doesn't really proportionally correlate with happiness. To some extent it does. So numbers, things that are linear, logical, not as much related to happiness. And so ruminating on psychological illusions is replaced with love of learning and playing with oneself. I feel like I got that sentence from somebody else, but I don't know who. Sorry. And the most important cause is causing one's own happiness. And this isn't just for crazy people. We have to be crazy first to put happiness first. A lot of people delay their happiness or think, when I do this or when I get that, then I'll be happy. Well, the great thing about craziness is Usually a lot of those things are lost, so one can't rely on material possessions or certain things to make one happy. And if a person was truly happy, maybe they wouldn't have gone crazy. So by creating happiness in one's life, it could act as a bit of a protection against some of the symptoms or some of the the troubles, even though we don't, we're not talking about symptoms here. But basically, practicing happiness or learning to be happy or being happy generally leads to more happiness. And it can be a practice of happiness first. A lot of times they're quick to be like, you need this and that, and put all these elements back into one's life for psychosocial rehabilitation, but it's not necessarily what makes a person happy and therefore perhaps isn't going to be self-sustaining if it's not balanced with elements of a person's happiness. So People in mania generally all of a sudden become very good at being playful and it could be the 
inner child making itself known. And I've experienced it a bit as maybe a bit of a repressed childhood. I was taught early on to be academic and all of a sudden when I was in mania, I was this big, happy, playful adult child who um, felt like life was just wonderful. It almost felt like being a kid again, but even better. And I wonder, why is there such a thing as being too happy? What would be the evolutionary purpose of this? Maybe the universe needs some people that are too happy in order to balance some of the misery. So maybe we do need to learn some stuff from people in these too happy states and, and maybe get a little bit more happy because if everyone was a bit more happy, the people that are too happy wouldn't seem way too happy. They might just seem pretty excited. But because the level of happiness is so low, those people seem totally out of their mind. So it's everyone's responsibility to be a little bit more happy. So then us manics don't seem way out of line. It's very difficult to stay existing in that manic state. And I feel it's mainly because it's not mirrored back to us. For a certain period of time, a person that is that happy can actually uplift others to be more happy and bring out playful elements in themselves. But over time, it becomes less and less mirrored back to a person. And eventually, um, it when it's not mirrored back, um, it burns itself out, it fizzles out. And I experience that and basically it feels like a major buzz kill. If I was in mania or embodying mania and I was to develop new language to describe these other these other species of human beings that are miserable, I'd be like, whoa, that person is a buzzkill, or oh, I had one of those buzzkill experiences where somebody was just miserable when I was really happy towards them and it frigged up my brain because we don't exist in isolation. Thanks for the buzzkill. Watch out for those buzzkillers. We have mirror neurons in our brains for a reason. We mirror things back to each other and we can read each other's body language. And how we are affects how the other person is and vice versa. What I'm saying is that energy of mania has a certain momentum, but over time, most, most people that a person interacts with is not at that same energy level. And so over time it depletes that energy and a person is eventually um, back in consensus reality. But in my experience, I first have to go through an equal and opposite awful experience. It's almost like to bring that energy down and through back to reality, I have to go through terrifying synchronistic experiences to offset the nice ones. I guess both have their value. So it's important to harvest your mania while you're in it. 
part of the course is teaching how to live like a maniac. So the world is not designed for manic people. If it was, the world would be a totally different place. People would likely be more of wanderers and wonders and curious and playful and and reality would be a completely different game. The one we have right now of right and wrong, duality and competitiveness and of the ego creates a certain world and a person in manic consciousness experiences a completely different world and lives in that world for a short period of time. If there were more people like that, it would probably paint over this reality that we've all created together that is a little bit mediocre sometimes, at least for the mass population. It might create a reality that's kind of like Pokemon Go, but without the silly collecting of Pokemons. Maybe people that actually go outside and just be playful and just actually interact with real people and not need that as an excuse to actually leave the house. Maybe if it wasn't such a scary place, then people wouldn't be afraid to leave the house. I really feel like this energy is trying to create the emergence of a new human being. One that is playful. It's almost like a a new species. This workshop has nothing to do with the medical paradigm, even though I use the word manic, which is generally medicalized. This is actually about all aspects of mania that exclude the medical paradigm. So the medical paradigm might be a piece of the pie like this big, and then the rest all the rest of the infinite possibilities is what this workshop will talk about. There's probably a million professionals out there ready to talk about the medical paradigm of this phenomenon and not very many that want to talk about the rest of it, which I feel is to do with human potential. Part of that is peers connecting with peers and talking about some of our manic visions and ideas and collaborating and co-creating together. And perhaps that would help bring the possibility of being in that state into reality because the state is not separate from the reality, but it's not a reality. So the state is not something that is stable and hence we are seen as not stable when we go into that unstable place. It, um, it's a wonderful place. And also the wonderful experiences that we have, they're not for us. They're not for my personal enjoyment and entertainment. They're something for the entire world. It's something to be seen and lived out towards creating that reality for everyone, not just me. 
If it's just me, I go off into something and probably end up dead in the consensus reality. Though I may continue on in my wonderful little light body reality, which I'd rather live out my life here. Part of the workshop will also explore if there were any causes in particular that one feels most drawn to. Some people might feel really passionate about homeless people, whereas other people perhaps trees or the panda bears going extinct. And I feel like that passionate energy really can be channeled towards certain projects that are already happening if someone feels passionate because by contributing to that a person's energy will be renewed in that it's a positive feedback mechanism but a person has to be in the right line in order for it to feed back properly that's just a guess Another thing we can do is share experiences and resources and structures and frameworks and, and co-create together and make it fun and, and listen to each other and then also help each other to harvest the vision that they have based on the person's story. And each person would develop their own narrative about what they feel their experiences mean for them and um, the highest reasons why it happened and, and what they're planning to do or thinking of doing or um, the highest ways that they can be for the benefit of everyone because this is really a time where we need people to be thinking of the benefit of everyone. It's wonderful to get one's life in order, in order to survive and be comfortable, but it's another thing to continue to be a little bit uncomfortable. Even though I'm medicated into feeling okay and I'm medicated which keeps me in consensus reality I know deep in my heart I'm still uncomfortable with that and then I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the trees being cut down and I'm uncomfortable with how much traffic noise there is everywhere and that's telling me something about maybe I can't be where there's so much traffic or I'm not sure what else, but I'm not sure if I speak just for myself, but I have a sense that I really want to help the world the best I can, and maybe you have too, and it's possible that maybe together we can come up with frameworks and ways that we can help the world. 
in non-traditional ways. I don't know even what those are, but the ways of the world being helped aren't really helping fast enough or well enough or they have intentions that are off and maybe we can have intentions that aren't. Instead of us becoming mere cogs in the machine in a different way, maybe we can create a different machine that isn't a machine at all, but it breaks up the machine in that it's playful and you can't, it's very difficult to mechanize playfulness and spontaneity and randomness, but the society likes to train and condition people to play certain roles and then it's very consistent. Like by us believing the story that we're mentally ill, that we're defective and we can't do anything, we inhabit that part of the machine that sort of stays out of things. But perhaps there's something new to build. I've experienced psychosis several times and when I do I feel intense suffering and I really feel like some of it is the suffering of other people or just the collective humanity that we all share we're all part of it and it's the sameness and to me we're more that sameness the only part of us that's really different is our individual bodies which is a very small portion of humanity yet we think we're so different and really we share every other bit of this reality seen and unseen except this physical body structure apparently since that suffering is there each time it makes me feel like I need to do something to relieve that suffering of the particular suffering that I'm feeling which could be feeling like a homeless person or somebody that's being abused and so I feel I really want to do something to help but I'm somewhat powerless Sometimes I feel like psychosis and the things that I experience that don't feel like they're from my own personal experience are almost the parts from other people that haven't been dealt with or that are medicated away through other means like food and alcohol. So what's that, whatever a person suppresses with those types of means it's transferred to the collective and it manifests somewhere else and we're all connected so it makes sense like it's a collective pool and then the same thing happens with if a person can almost process and deal with a lot of that stuff they're sort of processing for other people that that can't I don't know if that's true it's one of those things that is more like a hypothesis that would have to have some kind of study designed to test it, which is not going to happen. So I can just say, that's a hypothesis of mine. I have many that have come to me through my experience. I need your help. I can't do this all by myself, and I don't want to. We need community. 
but a different community where we we think together and we contribute to the world together. We need a new language. We need to think about ourselves. We need to think about ourselves differently. We need to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We have a lot to give. It's just a matter of making space for everyone to be able to contribute. It doesn't matter if it's something supposedly small or big. A contribution is a contribution. And what matters is that everyone has a place. Everyone has value. One day it won't be called manic, it'll be called magic. Because it works in a way that we haven't figured out in terms of science. And the reason is because science, the limits of science are somewhat determined by our nervous systems and the instruments we can create to measure reality. Now, if there's something beyond our nervous system and beyond our nervous system's capability to measure via the instruments it creates, well, how are we ever going to know about it? And how are we ever going to calculate it? And we might be trying to calculate something that is us. Can we calculate the totality of a whole human being? We're trying to calculate these things that are abstract concepts and the supposed laws of physics, but we never wonder, well, can we alter the laws of physics? And if the laws of physics were bent just a little bit, what would reality look like? And is it possible that we can go there? at least subjectively, because we don't measure the subjective, we only measure the objective. But if enough people were there subjectively, perhaps it would become objective. Perhaps we are the instruments of creation and how can we measure something if we are the actual instrument? We're not, we're not considering that we are the universe's probe universe's instrument and we don't see that our nervous systems create reality and we can alter our nervous system so perhaps we can alter reality but we just create an instrument with our nervous system and then think that's the be-all and all in my experience we have no idea how reality works and perhaps by creating so much technology we're actually collapsing reality's wave function prematurely when really our brains and our bodies are way more powerful than technology. I've had experiences where usually when I get into that powerful energetic state technology doesn't work around me. My phone calls don't get to me. My emails don't get to me. We are even beyond technology and when our brains get to that and our bodies and our energy field get to that state we are way faster and in a dimension beyond it's almost like being in the future where the technology doesn't yet exist 
or <laughs> we don't even need that technology anymore at that point because we've realized how powerful we are and we don't even we don't even need it magic as the power of creation and that extra energy is almost the energy of creation not in the biblical sense but just energy to create something as we move and as we do things we're creating a ripple we're creating things we can create an object and that adds to the structure of reality and in that more energetic manic state that potential to create is even greater and most of the time the energy is just wasted and maybe one day education will include preparing someone for altered states of consciousness where they may be in states that they've never recognized before and um, perhaps people will be prepared somewhat to make use of those states not even make use but harvest or seed or plant Another way to use some of the energy of mania is to have projects on the go that people can contribute to. There's so much emphasis put on becoming an entrepreneur and having a business, but what about having like a time-limited business as a project that is just, it might be easier for people with mania and to not have that commitment why do we have to commit so much to things? I feel too that sometimes a person that goes through this goes from egocentricity to world centricity, actually being more concerned about the world than their own self. And that can be a way that people lose themselves as well, losing themselves in the process. Perhaps if there was somewhere for a person to connect that world centricity if there was a world centric community then a person wouldn't lose themselves but just become a puzzle piece in the greater community that is more like one organism working together right now we work so separately like we're each just cancer mania too has an element of inner transformation even if it's only temporary definitely something inward transforms and one feels completely different and that inner transformation could have some elements that are are good and maybe all these different attributes and traits become available to a person and then once the person snaps back to consensus reality those traits are gone and then maybe it takes some functionality with it but to me the potential for that is always there just as a person can regain their functionality through certain things a person can also regain some of their manic traits 
All of this is a learning experience for me. I really have no idea what I'm doing. I would like to talk about things that I envision, which aren't necessarily real. And I feel none of it's real. It's all just imagination. Though the themes keep coming to me in whether I'm in like a slight mania and I feel more insightful or I'm in the hospital and having scary experiences of the negative side of negating these positive visions that I'm having and instead of worrying about being in a negative state of psychosis I would like to walk towards possibly co-creating and collaborating with my friends and peers to create something I don't know what but it focuses more on the visions I've had and I don't mean like ooh, these big actual seeing things but insights the ways that I've been sometimes that normally I don't have access to but I would like to I can be those ways if I have a collaborative co-creative community who is looking towards being the same so perhaps we can bring some of those traits back out of each other because we have experienced them and and maybe we can mirror them back to each other and bring them back out and then also help each other create some kind of structure frameworks projects to to fuel this other consciousness that is probably very needed in the world right now. I could be wrong, but I don't want to keep acting on the stuff that I know and that I fear, but I want to act based on what I envision. And maybe other people vision, envision it too, because not just the suffering the collective suffering that I've experienced is shared, but the collective vision and the, the collective goodness is shared too. And we all have access to it. When our ego loses its grip on us, we can actually see what is there for all of us to see and share. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.